Hey gang, big news in the world of We Hate Movies live appearances in this one. Well, you better get your holiday coat on because it's not happening until December. We're so excited. It's actually a hometown show for this Jersey boy. Only you. Jersey City's beautiful White Eagle Hall will be hosting the We Hate Movies podcast. And we're going to be talking about a Christmas movie, Eric Siska. What is that oh movie? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> it is the Santa Claus, the original film. Not Out of way. Is it original? Yeah, it's original. The first one. Tim Allen <laughs> yes. finds a fat so falls off his roof. Yep. yep, we're gonna be talking all about it on December seventh, which is a day that will live in infamy. <laughs> White Eagle Hall. I mean, it, it incidentally lives in infamy. We, right. We're just we're to yeah. the side of it. We're adding to the infamy. Yeah, it's, just, exactly. it's more infamy because this will be uh, our debut in Jersey City, and this is what it's come down to, folks. Steve Sadak. Refusing to get on planes, mm-hmm. refusing right. to get a driver's license to help right. out with rental cars. I refuse to get on a train for this show. I'm fucking right. walking. Oh I gotta walk to the venue. So I guess this is the new normal, gang. Only wherever Steve's <laughs> legs can carry him. But it's an awesome venue, and it's really close to the train. If you're like you're in the, in the city, or if you want to drive in from Pennsylvania, wherever. Mm-hmm. Right, the path train's not too far. Right, path train's a, a stone's throw away. A here. Stone's throw, folks. Come on out to the White Eagle Hall. That's right. Tickets are on sale now, so get them in advance. Get them fast. This is going to be a popular show. December seventh, White Eagle Hall, Jersey City, New Jersey. Tickets available right now at whmpodcast.com. It's Christmas time again. It's time to be nice to the people you can't stand all year. Los Angeles, do not forget. This September, we are coming to you. That's right. We hate movies. We're getting on a plane or a train, or maybe someone's taking a mule. Maybe Chris Cabin's going to get on a mule and ride out to your town September 22nd. It's a Thursday night. This coincides with Chris Cabin's sweet Mexican brown trip that he takes every month. Yeah, he calls it the harvest. Yeah, so he's going out there for that reason. We're going out there to talk about Suburban Commando. That's right, the Hulk Hogan. Hogan? Hulk Hogan. Wait, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Holden Caulfield? Yes, that the very same. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, you ex- want to hang out near the ducks in Central Park, brother? <laughs> <laughs> hey, brother, ever think about how life is meaningless? My brother's a screenwriter. <laughs> hey, brother, turned out she was a prostitute. <laughs> um, yes, we will be there talking. Suburban Commando starring Hulk Hogan. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, the undertaker making an appearance. Someone told me it was his first screen role, and it was the... Um, like the thing that developed the Undertaker character. Interesting. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I don't know either. Hashtag who cares? Is Terry Gar in that movie? Is Terry Gar the mom? Eric, Maybe. you you're the one who's seen don't it. Don't point at me. I don't know. But it's a fun movie. It's Hulk Hogan like being a space bounty hunter. It's a lot of fish oh, out of water gags. It's stupid. <laughs> Is it ever? And we've never been to Los Angeles. None of us. Or Eric's been, but who cares? Yeah. (laughs) I often say that. Who cares about about me? But it's our first time on the West Coast. All of our West Coast fans will be there. This one's going to sell out. That's absolutely right. It is indeed, at the time of recording this bumper, very near to selling out. So you better get your ass to Mars or at least to Hollywood.improv.com. Click on September the 22nd. We go on at 8 p.m. Suburban Commando at the Hollywood Improv. We Hate Movies goes west this autumn.
Well, it sure is nice being on vacation, being away from the grind of recording a podcast every week. I am naked. Right this second. It's Probably. Summer. It is summer. It is a delicious vacation where I can still work 45 hours a week. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Making oh, yeah. that hustle. Loving it, dude. Loving <laughs> it. Sweat and sack on the streets of New York. Oh, That's how boy, this city just disgusting. boils. Disgusting. Spending my life on a train. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Ugh. But you know what? We're here to introduce the WHM Summer Rerun. Oh, hey. I love these. These are so nice. <laughs> Sure. Hey, sure. Right. These are these are previously released episodes from years ago that right. a lot of people have written in and said, "Hey, like, can we get this on the main feed? Can you highlight this again? This yeah. this was this was a gangbuster." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. here we are to kick oh, off gangbuster like the uh, early nineteen eighties comic book from DC Comics. Gangbuster. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, right. We'll take your word for it. <laughs> Someone's been enjoying vacation. <laughs> Oh Kick- man, I got all these sweet comic books. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big stack. I'm going to get through them all. So, speaking of creepy nerds, it yes, Addicted to Love, yes. starring Matthew Broderick, correct, and Meg Ryan. Member her. And uh, hey, rem- <laughs> remember Chris Cabin? This is a Chris Cabin episode. Oh, right, of course. Chris Cabin, by the way, there's a little bit of rumors on the internet like, oh, is he going to be in the next episode? He was, you know, at the end of the last episode, Eric gave him that lightsaber and he mm-hmm. didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. It was kind of yes, weird. Yes, very but confusing. No, the new season will start right when that picks up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no. It's it's uh he's he's back for good. Yeah, he's back. Uh but he's on this episode. This is kind of this will be a horror-ish <laughs> summer rerun month. And this is a fucking horror movie. It man. really is. This it's, is the scariest one of the bunch. I mean, this is a movie, it's a horror movie fucking waltzing around Hollywood as a romantic comedy, and I won't stand for it. This is scary as fuck. It's some Buffalo Bill shit. It Absolutely. really is. So <laughs> don't stand about. for it, sit for it, and listen and enjoy. That's right. So enjoy Addicted to Love, and we'll be back afterwards. It's just, I mean, the problem is I love the 90s, and I'll, I'll, I'll revisit them any old time I want. On but, VH1 or otherwise. <laughs> or otherwise. <laughs> Other avenues. <laughs> but... This, it doesn't even employ its wonderful 90s setting, aside from really, like, outrageous haircuts and clothes that really don't make a whole lot of sense. It's Women like, wearing goggles on their head for no reason. It's like half this cast just, like, raided Lenny Kravitz's wardrobe. Because <laughs> it's just like there's these jackets everywhere, these hair is all tied back in different ways. It's, it's that Sim- and Every shirt in the 90s is like that Simpsons line. Uh, and I think this racing stripe's pretty sharp. Because it's just... <laughs> There's just a stripe on something that doesn't necessarily need a stripe. Uh, by the way, the film is Addicted to Love from 1997. Have not mentioned that yet. Uh, actor Griffin Dunn's directorial debut starring Matthew Broderick and Meg Ryan right before she lost her marbles. <laughs> I mean, because that's just, and it's I mean, right there. You can, look, you can look at the timeline and you're like, oh man, all that's left is you've got mail and then she threw her life away. I mean, yeah, she lost her marbles, but she never really went to like, you know when you lose your marbles, you usually go and look for them. Yeah, no, <laughs> and, she, and she just was just like, nah, nah, I'm fine. <laughs> She's Where's John Cougar Mellencamp? It's like a, there was a bad breakup and then like just nothing else ever worked for her. And just I, 
But she's Meg freaking Ryan. Like, figure it out. Uh, totally. You you had to have some offers from something. You know what, though? She did that fucking terrible plastic surgery. That'll get you every time. Yeah, I kind of imagined that were, that that played out like that scene in Batman. <laughs> just I did the best I could do <laughs> with these utensils. She's just <laughs> laughing in a mirror. <laughs> Peter Lorre did her plastic surgery. That's what you're saying? <laughs> that guy's doing a Peter Lorre impression. Yeah, he definitely yeah. is. Uh, so the gist of this movie is matthew broderick is an astronomer uh who is dating kelly preston he's very comfortable living in normal ohio she moves to the big city for an opportunity to teach or something uh and she leaves him for somebody else he moves to the city and creepy hijinks occur creepy hijinks okay (laughs) this thing strikes fear in my heart because like, you think someone might be doing it to you right now? I mean, now? if it's possible that people could do this, like, I'm I'm shaken to my very core. Well, this is pre, like, advanced internet, you know? So if yeah. anything, people can do a whole lot worse, a whole lot easy, easier these days, you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have to send away for an astronomy kit. You just need to, like, you know, <laughs> log on the internet. You don't have to bring, you don't have to bring a camera obscura <laughs> to a shithouse in New York. <laughs> All right. So, you know, we start off. Matthew Broderick is he's not like the head scientist at this observatory, but he's pretty up there. He's the hot shot. He is the hot shit. And it's like it's it's very clear. Like he's like his boss is just like, what are you doing? Why are we looking at this galaxy? It's boring. And he's like, no, no, wait, there's going to be a supernova. And he's like, well, that doesn't make sense because we we chart that shit. We would know that. He's like, ah, there it is. And it's like, (laughs) oh, well, you know. What are you using magic? Like, what? How do you figure out a supernova with a computer can? Yeah, the guy's clearly like, uh, yeah, I understand it could go supernova, but I mean, it could happen now or it could happen a hundred million years from now. And he's like, well, actually, it's gonna happen right now. You're welcome. <laughs> Wait, mm, check the air temperature. Yeah, it's gonna raise. <laughs> There's gonna be a supernova for I sure. I discussed it with God last night, and he told me <laughs> actually that. Tomorrow, supernova. Now, what is the start of, uh, you know, you sort of see, like, the seed planting of all his little creepy, creepy, creepiness. I don't even know. It's, I mean, it's fucking creep town, creep city, creep fill, the whole thing. He uses the resources he has at this observatory to spy on his girlfriend and children. Well, it's a cute thing. At first, it's like, oh, he's like, it's 12 o'clock and everyone in the observatory. By the way, this observatory is staffed to the gills. People are running up and down. There's like 30 people like, oh, hey, Sam, it's 12 o'clock. Here we go, 12 o'clock. And he goes to, he, he rearranges the entire freaking thing to look down at Kelly Preston, and she's waving. She's like, hey, Sam, happy 12 o'clock. See you later. Now, yeah, are we being led to believe that this is an everyday thing? Yes, that's, 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 it is an everyday thing. And this boss is outraged. She's like flabbergasted. Is this the dude's like first day on the job? How does he not know about it then? I don't know. He's just, I don't think he's in the observatory. I think he's like back at the office doing all the, you know, administrative work. Oh, I see. He's like the district manager of the observatory. And like, well, he's like running the class trips when right. they come to like look at the star oh, I domes see. and all that stuff. Yeah, after 89, he started riding the desk because things got a little too heavy <laughs> over at the observatory. He saw one too many supernovas. <laughs> 
You know, I was just like you, Matthew Broderick, <laughs> hot shit astronomer. <laughs> then one day I started using my high-powered telescope to start looking at people in the town. Next thing I knew I was riding that desk. My pension was erased. You better watch it, son. You better watch it. Brian De Palma's The Watcher. <laughs> God, I'd love it. Your telescope's writing checks. Your body can't cash. <laughs> or something. You're going to burn out before that star, boy. <laughs> Actually, that would kind of be the whole... That's kind of like body double. Mm. And you just see some girl get killed with a drill. Yeah, you're right. Man, I wish someone got killed with a drill in this movie. I wish so, they all got killed with a drill. <laughs> so Kelly Preston's like, hey, man, uh, I have this job opportunity of sorts. It's not like a job offer. It's like I'm going to go be... It's like a teacher exchange program. Just, just listen to this explanation. Remember I told you they were going to pick a teacher to represent the district at the school in New York? Oh, New York? You? Yeah. Well, that's great. So you're like, you won a contest to go be a teacher in a New York City school? Representing what? <laughs> it's 40 seconds into this movie, and I'm like, okay, she's a teacher, got that. And now I'm going to New York, bye! Oh, hold on, wait, wait, why is she going to New York? What is the con? What did she write a le- what is it, essay thing? Is this written by Nestle or something? <laughs> why I want to teach at a different school than the one I already did <laughs> by Kelly Preston. Ugly children. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Lick and stamp. <laughs> well, she she does wind up working at some school that's like right off of Washington Square Park. So like it's a nice area. Yeah, I want to teach affluent children. <laughs> these poor kids are just boring. I'm sick of these corn husking motherfuckers. And it's like it's like, oh man, it's been my dream this whole my whole life. And he's like, you know, I'm an astronomer. There's not a lot of places to do that. I can't really just pack up and go to New York for two months. So I'll just see you when you get back. And that's that's okay, right? I'll just see you when you get back. Well, he makes... She's like, if you say... If you tell... I've been in love with you since we were in elementary school. And if you tell me not to go, I won't go. Yeah, go. Don't go. <laughs> yeah, grade school sweethearts, by the way, is if that's not a fucking recipe for disaster. Nothing else. You know nothing. Well, I guess that's how you, Matthew Broderick wears them down. Like, <laughs> he got to say... He, he's the first guy at that party. Well... I was actually thinking about this because, uh, you know, Matthew Broderick, obviously, Ferris Bueller is his biggest movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Sam, that's his character in this, what what he is, is what he's worried Cameron's going to become in Ferris Bueller. Yeah, just a dude who doesn't want to leave his town. Like he's just going to have sex with one person. Yeah. And then he's going to run his life around that person. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she leaves for New York. There's a really ridiculous pre nine 11. Like he's driving on the runway after the plane as if what Matthew Broderick, she's going to jump off. The last thing you want to do for your sexy girlfriend as she goes away for two months is show her how needy you are. Like you want to be fucking cool cat. Cool. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, all right, it's cool. I'll see you in two months that, yeah, no, I love you. That's fine. I, I'm really happy for you. Not like, come back, come back, <laughs> come back, come back. Yeah, she- I got the guys. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get drinks with Janine at the office. I don't know. I'll just see what's going to happen. <laughs> you enjoy that two months, though. She's already stepping out for a f- breath of fresh air for <laughs> two months. You don't want to also be like, like yeah, it, it, you're right. It should just be her being like her 
leaving and him being at the airport. Maybe a flower, like a kiss yeah. on the cheek. Yeah. This shit is ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, because so, I mean, they're probably what? Like in their early 30s and they've been in love since grade school. So she's all he's known and vice versa for like, what, 25 years? Like, just take a little bit of air, everybody. But he just won't have it. Well, he probably has to face it. He is addicted to love for sure. <laughs> You might as well face yeah. it. Yeah, You're I did. <laughs> so in the first round of uh, of shittiness of this Kelly Preston character, she sends him a Dear John letter as he's, like, getting the whole town ready for her return. Like, he's having some city manager hang this banner. Like, it's a bit much. And they're... they're- Dimly's favorite children. Like we're fine. Don't worry. We're we're the future of this town. But it's also an I'm done with it a gram because <laughs> she sends her father to like and of course he's known uh, Matthew Broderick's known him his entire life apparently. Oh yeah. And he just walks in like this father's weirdly already sitting at the dinner table. Like, he kind of just walked. It's kind of a walk-in. It's a walk-in. But, I mean, you know, it's a small town. He's definitely not locking that door kind of a thing. And the dad's just like, ah, hey, listen, she gave me this letter to read to you, so I'm going to read it now. And it's basically like, hey, I met someone else because it's the first time I've been away in ever, and I realized what life can be. We are both adults, and I'm sure you're going to get over this very soon and find somebody who loves you and could live this life with you. But, like, fucking have a backbone, lady, all right? Like, just at least if you're going to send the letter, just send the letter. I don't want to have to deal with your dad while I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Like, no. Especially now that we're broken up, I don't want to see your dad anymore. <laughs> like, And, you know, something like this happens to a person. That's when you just put on the big old... Eat shit, okay? Yeah, yeah. And you just, you know what? Fine, you're going to do that, and then you're going to send a letter about it informing yeah. me that you're doing that? Fine. I'm going to go out, find the first piece of strange, get involved in that, really just start trying to erase you from my life. All of those observatory interns are getting to know you. <laughs> <laughs> Is this for credit? Yeah. Yeah, it's for credit. No, yeah, he's going to the nearest like big city and finding some weird prostitute, some Matthew Broderick <laughs> prostitute, whatever that looks like. Whatever it may be, <laughs> whatever it may be, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But uh, instead, he hops on a plane immediately to New York City. He, the dad's still reading the letter, and he's like, "I'm packing my bags. I gotta go. I'm gonna find her and kill. I mean, I gotta find her and talk to her. Just talk. I, I'm gonna bring this knife. I'm just gonna bring this knife. I'm not gonna use it. Look." This rope is just for safety. I don't want to get lost in the big city. I'm going to tie myself to her so we don't get separated. It's a big town. Uh, is a liter of cyanide enough? <laughs> is it? Uh, okay. I can never remember how much it takes to knock a full-grown adult out. <laughs> yeah, but she is pretty thin. Ah, liter's fine. I'll just be... <laughs> and so he goes to New York and through a completely unbelievable, implausible means tracks her down this is a mismanaged monologue i'll tell you that much like the next four scenes like it's like all different parts in new york and like nobody knows it's just music and he's like talking to people they're like pointing at things like pointing at things like how are you finding this woman he goes to the hotel she said she was staying with for uh, staying at for like the first couple weeks i think yeah and then it's just yeah it's like the bar that she goes to and the some lady at the hotel somehow knew what bar he was talking about like and let's be clear okay 
in New York City, we don't meddle in other people's business. Like, you come up to me like, oh, hey, you're staying in this hotel? Why, yes, I am. Oh, do you happen to know this woman that was also staying? No. No, I don't. Get away from me, please. That's not even a New York thing. That's just a life thing. If some guy comes in all out of breath like, hey, you know where this woman is? You just go, you know. I don't think I do. I don't think I, I don't appreciate your tone right now, lunatic. Do you have a badge or a subpoena of <laughs> yeah, some exactly. sort? Let me see some credentials, creep. <laughs> so he tracks her down miraculously, and she's living in Soho uh, with this Frenchman uh, played by what is the dude's name? Uh, Checky Cario. Uh, the the bad guy in Bad Boys. Uh, he's also uh, the the Russian general in Goldeneye. He's Mel Gibson's French friend in The Patriot. Oh, that's right. With the weird ass Napoleon hat. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they wore back then. <laughs> Every single one of them. <laughs> and like, and this is the setup for the rest of the movie. Is like he's gonna go and talk to her, and like this is it's that thing right where it's like it's a movie. So, like, actually, them talking isn't a good idea because we don't have a movie. Because you're like, you know, you're just kind of Matthew Broderick, and I don't want to fuck you anymore. So he rings the <laughs> bell, and the bell is broken, and it's like this really awkward thing that he hears this guy, so he runs away like a little kid. The next day or an hour later, you just knock at the door and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, that's, yeah. yep. that's the human being thing to do. But instead... He finds this, like, flop house across the street <laughs> and decide, takes it upon himself to break in so he has a better view of what they're doing in there. Let me just I, – I could go knock on the door, but I just want to see what's going on across the street. And it's a total Home Alone 2 situation. <laughs> like, this is just a dilapidated, empty house. And, like, I'm sorry, yeah. There's a building like this in in 1997 Soho, and there's not homeless people and tweakers just shitting and fucking in this building. Stop. No, just stop. First night, he's getting shivved. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that is the optimistic idea of what's going to go. And of course, like because this is a dumb movie, by the end of it... He's kind of living in a pad that's sort of enviable. Like, it's obviously still disgusting, but, you know, I've kind of visited worse apartments in New York City than what this turns out to be. Like, he really gets settled in. I mean, you look like Matthew Broderick and you sleep in a dilapidated building in New York City. You're lucky if you don't wake up in Albania. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> There are people looking for you just all the time. Your name is Lisa now. <laughs> Repeat after me. Lisa. Oh, no. <laughs> and you have no kidneys. <laughs> what a mistake that was. <laughs> Guess I should have got over her. Oh, well. <laughs> So he starts just spying on them, and he's got some binoculars that he's using. And, you know, because remember, everybody, he's an astronomer, and he loves looking at magnified objects. Well, it's all this pattern bullshit. Like, he's got, I, he has an actual table of smiles. Yeah, it's like, oh, if she has, like, a full smile, you know, I'm going to check box one. If she's got, like, a straight smile, it's box two. And it means that she's thinking this while she's doing it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I've been mounting this research since we first met. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, that is, and by the way. Maybe that's why she left. She found the smile chart. Like, <laughs> I got to go to New York for vague reasons. Don't talk to me again. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to get to it more, but. 
the alternative title for this movie and what it may have been called in like Turkey or some shit is Buffalo Bill the Motion Picture. <laughs> because there's gonna we're gonna get to all sorts of things in this movie where he just might as well be tucking his dick between his legs and strutting around this apartment. He's terrified. It's a terrifying situation. He's got all sorts of graphs about what their emotions might be, and he go- he calls his friend at the observatory. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna go back to work for a while." Hey, Ted, can you do me a solid? And this guy sends him like a million dollars worth of observatory equipment. <laughs> it's a camera obscura, which is a thing that you know takes in light and you know reflects it through a series of mirrors, mirrors and projects it out onto a different surface. Fine. So he sets this up and calibrates it perfectly in this flop house. <laughs> and he points it at their apartment and starts watching them on the wall. I would kind of love it if, like, and just every once in a while in the scene, like, you're watching the scene of him, like, putting together this camera obscura. And just in the background, you start seeing, like, people come up and, like, are, like, slowly <laughs> shambling towards him. <laughs> and, like, just, you don't have to do anything with it necessarily. <laughs> But just to know that, like, this place is infested <laughs> with, homeless? with the homeless people. And at night, they're just touching him and fucking playing with the Obscura. Okay, I'll tell you how you make this movie better, right? It's like you're watching you're watching the, the French dude and, and, and uh, uh, Kelly Preston, like, you know, canoodling around this apartment and whatnot. And then it cuts back to Matthew Broderick. And he's, like, on the couch with popcorn, like, oh, boy. <laughs> and then it goes back to them. And then when it cuts back to him with the popcorn, there's just that midget and the little boy sailor suit from Insidious just, <laughs> just dancing like it does in that movie. It's the fucking creepiest thing you've ever seen in your life. Oh, like, man. if you just kept adding characters from Insidious, the red-faced demon, fucking Darth Maul standing <laughs> there. The old, that's when that movie just lost me. I think that movie's a great horror movie, but once Darth Maul shows up, I'm like, alright, everybody. No way, dude. When when it cuts to Patrick Wilson and Darth Maul's just hanging out behind him, I shit my ever-loving pants. No, when he goes to his lair, though, when he's playing oh, the piano. He's yeah, sharpening his nails. <laughs> yes, yeah, when he he turns out to be the phantom of the opera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that it lost me when they go to a hell dimension. But everything before the oh, hell yeah. dimension is phenomenal. Addicted to love. <laughs> but so at this point, he's just watching his girlfriend and he's just waiting it out. I'll just stick here and make sure she's dead. I mean, make sure she breaks up with this guy. And like. Their house gets broken into, and he's like, oh, no, wait a minute. I think I want this to happen. Yeah, because the possibility of, like, well, maybe he'll just kill them, (laughs) and I can go home and start watching the stars again. (laughs) Uh, And it's like some... it looks like Maniac Cop, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's like an all-leather outfit with a motorcycle helmet, and you're like, oh, that's weird. But it's this motorcycle figure that he has seen before. Like, he sees this person right when he gets in. Like, the motorcycle pulls up into the intersection in front of the building. And it's like, a okay, speeds away. Encounters this the next day through a kind of a creepier thing. There's, like, someone on the roof. And he's got the audacity to be like, now get out of here. I've got to shoot you. uh, it, 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 It turns out this is Meg Ryan. She sees him looking at her. From across the way. Oh, you're and right. It's that night, she just comes right in. 
because it's an abandoned building. <laughs> How lucky is it that the person that challenges his flophouse ownership is Meg Ryan? Because that's the only person he's more physically intimidating than. <laughs> like, that's it. She would kick his ass, though, in this movie. But statistically speaking, <laughs> yeah. okay, you are laying down in this fucking Soho flop house, all right? The odds that the person breaking in through the skylight is a beautiful Meg Ryan <laughs> and not some homeless dude that's like, all right, I'll leave you alone. You just gotta let me piss in your mouth. Like, <laughs> It's so astronomical that it's a pretty lady. What an economy that is. <laughs> all, you, all you gotta give me is half your teeth. <laughs> Not half a tooth, just half of all your teeth. Are we clear? <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> so Meg Ryan, like, you know, swoops in from the ceiling. Yeah, she matrixes herself down. <laughs> Hard making that one a verb. It <laughs> sure was. <laughs> This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, my 20s, while being a lot of fun, a lot of the time, were pretty rough. I wasn't exactly rolling in dough. I lived at home until I was about 25. And for most of it, I didn't have this show or you lovely people in my life. I just kind of drifted around without direction and didn't know where to voice that. Then I started to get my crap together one piece at a time. And the last piece, which didn't come until my early 30s, was therapy. And man, I wish it came along sooner. Ever since I started sitting down as a licensed therapist, I've had a place to voice my insecurities and try to fashion plans to help me achieve my goals. So that's why I'm thrilled we're sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be flexible, convenient, and suited to meet your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and the good thing is you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WHM today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WHM. This episode's brought to you in part by Rocket Money, and they have this question for you. They handed to me just now. Mr. Rocket just handed me this. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they pay around $80 a month on subscription services, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And with Rocket Money, you can lower those bills without resorting to having bean dinners every day of the week. You know, you have those bean dinners to try to save some few bucks. But if you were monitoring your spending with Rocket Money, you didn't necessarily need to eat every bean dinner. So find out what all the fuss is about. You know, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like the Stars app. Don't get me started. You don't have to go through all the back end of the website anymore. You don't have to call customer service. Rocket Money helps you manage all your finances in one place as well and categorizes everything. It's easy to keep track of a whole budget. Even I can do it and I got rocks in my head. So find out what 3 million people have already done. They've taken the rocket, folks. Stop throwing the money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash WHM. That is rocketmoney.com slash WHM. Once more, rocketmoney.com slash WHM, which stands for We Hate Movies. 
and uh, she's trying to play it like cool and weird. So she pops in, takes the helmet off. You're like, oh, Mel, G- uh, Mel Gibson, <laughs> Mel Meg Ryan, that's cool. Uh, and then she starts like she she had swung down with like an electrical cord that she somehow wired outside to whatever, <laughs> and she's like pu- like screwing in light bulbs, give some light from this place, and he's like, hey, what are you doing here? This is my flop house, and she's like not saying anything to him and trying to be real creep about it. And what we learn from all of this is that the French guy is her ex-fiance that he left her for Kelly Preston. And she's been stalking him, and then he's been stalking her, so they're bound to be in love with each other. And the key difference is... Whereas he won't admit that he wants her dead, Meg Ryan's <laughs> Meg Ryan's like, you know, screw this guy. I'm, I'm out to ruin his life. He's a pig, blah, blah, blah. One thing on the Buffalo Bill checklist is <laughs> he's saving all these cockroaches, <laughs> which is a two-prong. Well, it comes into play later, but it's also something that fo- Griffin Dunn smartly shows you very early, and he's like, look, this guy wouldn't even hurt a fly. Like, that's what it's it's, yep. it's, it's trying to show you, like, this guy ain't going to kill her, everybody. It's just kind of a wacky situation. Right. We've got he wouldn't even hurt a cockroach. And to be on the safe side, when all these times he's like peering through windows and telescopes and camera obscuras and probably jerking off. <laughs> oh, no, he's rear windowing this entire thing. The whole time, though, we have this score that's like, like the most playful humdrum mouse hunt score (laughs) just so you know he's not gonna kill her and wear her skin it's it's literally by uh danny elfman's mentally challenged brother chauncey elfman (laughs) it's just almost danny elfman but it's just a little stupider so they team up, and it's like, all right, we have a mutual interest in being creeps here, so let's start observing what's going on. And then Meg Ryan's like, also, by the way, I've got this plan to start fucking with them a little bit. Uh, and then they 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 sit in on a couch in front of a wall for almost the entire movie. Well, he's he's already certain that they're going to break up because of his smile chart. Uh, and he's like, no, they're going to break up tomorrow because my friend the lord told me or <laughs> some weird ass shit um i'm gonna course... break up tomorrow because the death death head moths told me so you ever look at butterflies the way i look at butterflies <laughs> was she a great big fat person i just need help getting this couch in this van you might help <laughs> me with my poor broken arms you're about a size 10 right <laughs> you're gonna a fucking dog alone <laughs> You don't fucking hurt my dog! You don't know what pain is! <laughs> uh, so Meg That's Ryan... our Ted Levine little interlude. <laughs> so Meg Ryan has said, oh, hey, man, by the way, you've got this camera obscura thing going on. Well, I'll, I'll uh, one-up you on this. I have a satellite bug pointed at their apartment, so now we can also listen to everything that's going on. How'd she get that? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, she steals money from him. Ooh, that burns that, me. That's what it is, because they're on the roof, and she's setting this up. And Matthew Broderick's like, no, this is wrong. I could watch them, but I'm not listening. <laughs> and he takes this two-by-four, and he's about to Jim Duggan this thing. And she's just like, hey, I wouldn't do that. You paid for it. And he opens his wallet, like a little moth flies out. And he's like, oh, no, you robbed me. <laughs> like, Don't worry, I rob everybody. Aren't I a wonderful character? 
<laughs> Don't you want to get behind me for a hundred minutes? <laughs> One hundred minutes. My goodness. So the first example of like just how powerful this bugging equipment is. She's sitting there with headphones on and he's like, hey, what are they talking about? This is wrong. And she's like, oh, they're just talking. It's fine. He's like, I want to hear it. <laughs> and she fucking undoes the headphones and it's them just having some loud sex. <laughs> when she says... And like she's like, of course, like, oh no, she's being b- 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 murdered. <laughs> yeah, it's like you just don't know what good sex sounds. And like. And he says exactly this. No, she's not like that. She likes to make love quiet and slow and gentle. Ew. <laughs> Who write it to the WHM mailbag <laughs> if you would like slow, quiet, pristine. Unsweaty sex. It's the kind of sex that wouldn't make a ripple on a lake if you did it in a boat. She only loses one piece of clothing when we do it. (laughs) Most of the time, it's a sock. (laughs) It's the equivalent of dropping a cotton ball on a big shag carpet. Won't make a noise. Isn't that sexually exciting? So he is like holding his ears like it's some sort of like zero dark 30 torture room thing she's like ah, ah, ah. and then she's like this is really messed up because yeah he's like seizing and she's like oh yeah cheese and she's like taking his picture he's like no flash no flash and he's just flipping the fuck out and then she's she uses this to be like see it's not as innocent as you think it is, and she loves it. So then that sort of gets him on board to be like, okay, I'm ready to mess with them, too. I guess I'm- I'll murder him, too. <laughs> Just kill them both. Hey, ever see Wonderland? <laughs> <laughs> so, cut to they, uh, uh, Kelly Preston and, and the Frenchman... Uh, whose name I just cannot. Anton. Anton, yes. Anton, and who is Kelly Preston's character? Oh, uh, Linda. Le- yes. Object face. Because yeah. I, like, the whole the whole problem with this movie is like, if you if your girlfriend cheats on you and then does whatever, you should and and it's not with somebody that you actually have a binding agreement, like a friend or a parent or something. It's it's all on your girlfriend. Why do you hate the other guy? It's not like, I mean, exactly. you don't want to hang out with that dude, but at the same time, like being like, oh, that man stole her away from exactly. me. Exactly. Like, the, listen, that dude, while it probably wasn't entirely on the up and up, but like, that dude's not the villain. This dude didn't do anything. This dude is just living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be upset with Linda. Well, yeah. the thing is, is that like, the movie takes the same, like, weird tone as Matthew Broderick. Because Matthew Broderick, Still thinks she's like this angelic thing. Like it's just this intangible thing. And it must be Anton that's corrupting her. And the movie doesn't do anything to be like, no, he's kind of a fucking lunatic. So instead of just like making this as weird as it really is, they're just like, oh, no, she's just kind of perfect, too. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. She was led astray by this dirty Frenchman. 
So they decide, Linda and Anton, they're going to go to the Hamptons for the weekend. And this allows Meg Ryan and Matthew Broderick to break into their apartment and conduct probably the weirdest burglary in human history. (laughs) It's not even a burglary. You wish it was a burglary. Yeah, I honestly, I really wish they just robbed him out of house and home. But that is not what happened. Yeah, if if somebody gave me like a choice of what happens right here and then somebody taking all of my possessions, I'd say take all my possessions but it's just so much worse because meg ryan's would be out eight hundred dollars eight hundred dollars and a whole lot of comic books <laughs> so meg ryan's whole plan is like listen if we can make it look like anton is a philanderer to her she'll leave him his life will be ruined and you can get linda back so they go to the apartment and they're like all right you know let's plant some things to make it look like they're having an affair let's fucking michael clayton this place real quick <laughs> First of all, they're wasted. Or no, Meg Ryan's really wasted. Matthew Brown is like, ooh, brown whiskey. Mm, it burns. You know, like, <laughs> like Meg Ryan's like three sheets to the wind, ready to get into some trouble. And he's like, oh, I think the whiskey went bad. <laughs> is this a big boy drink? And so they're, they're, you know, wandering around. Meg Ryan immediately takes off her underwear and hucks it at Matthew Broderick. And she's like, stuff it in the couch. <laughs> Hey, I got a great idea. Put that in the couch. <laughs> and Matthew Broderick's looking at these panties like, well, what am I supposed to do with these? <laughs> I can't wear them, or can I? Say! Um, better put them in the couch, like she said. And then she's like going around. By the way, they have encountered Anton once on the street already in a pretty sweet grift pickpocketing situation. Well, that's at this point, I was like, oh man, is this movie going to be them wearing a bunch of disguises? Which I'd kind of rather, to be yeah. quite honest. I've never desired disguises in a movie more than I have here. <laughs> well, because if you're going to do the whole quirk factor, go for it, man. Yeah, go just do it for it. Do it up. You're right. Like and he plays a Texas oil baron or something, and he's like, let <laughs> sit down now. Let me tell you like, something. Yeah, yeah, like the gags that are in like the latter Oceans movies. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. like fucking, you know. Where George- Matt Damon's wearing a really big fake nose. Or George Clooney's got that fucking ridiculous fake mustache in that third one <laughs> and you know it's funny the it's a real lucky thing that the cast the characters in trading places are really good improv comedians yes. <laughs> they all just they all rise to the occasion this guy that's been like a buttoned up banker is doing this jamaican accent like what the fuck happens in the last hour of that movie so the, the, not to get off track to this uh, really, really gross burglary situation. What they do is Matthew Broderick bumps into Anton on the street and they pretend to have some words or he gets in his face. And Meg Ryan, you know, steals the old credit card out of his wallet. And then uh, Matt, Matthew Broderick pu- sucker punches him in the face because it, it just got away from me. I'm just real sorry. <laughs> So that's what happened. So they use his credit card to buy all these flowers and jewelry and this, that, and the other thing. And she's like, stick the receipts all over the house, and then she'll find them. And by the way, they're doing a real sloppy job of being in this house. Like, oh, you know, yeah. She's knocking over books. She's like, she's wasted. She's like, she bro- breaks that glass. Like, oh, fuck. Well, whatever. Maybe an angel did it. <laughs> and by the way, like, the, the problem is this woman's unbalanced. And like, she's really cute and quirky. Like, 
this is the kind of woman that cries herself to sleep. You know what I mean? Like, why doesn't he love? Like, this was a woman that gets scary a lot, you know? Well, she had to train herself to become a pickpocket <laughs> because people just can't do that. No. Like, she takes the wallet out of his pocket, steals the credit card, and puts it back in, all while Matthew Broderick's like, oh, you shouldn't have bumped into me, and whatever. Like, she went through some real trouble after this breakup. Well, I mean, this is obviously post-Institute for her. <laughs> and which I mean, time? Which, I mean, it might be post-Institute for Matthew Broderick as well, because we don't get much of a backstory. No, but she's clearly already been the girl interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're, they're walking around this apartment, and so she's doing most of the, like, I'm going to make him look like a philanderer, because Matthew Broderick is too busy hanging out in the back bathroom smelling all the things that kelly preston puts on her body and he's going oh oh, oh. And it's really really uncomfortable and then he starts putting on her makeup he takes this huge huff of her fucking oh, loofah yeah. oh my god the loofah is like he thinks there's a soul trapped in this, and the only way to extract it from the loofah is to suck it up through his nose. Well, there is that little ball in the middle of the loofah, and he's just like, wait, it's got to break. It's got to break. <laughs> I mean, it is a two-handed... <laughs> and, like, Matthew Broderick is acting really cartoony right here, yeah. and then he's like... He, he's, he's just putting her makeup on. He's got like a like a some sort of like powder applicator. I don't know what makeup things are called, but he's like brushing his face with it. Like, oh, it tickles and it smells like her. <laughs> it's just like, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Oh yeah, that <laughs> song should be on. And he starts dancing around. He finds a skirt of hers on the bathroom floor, and he like puts it on in front of him, and he's like dancing around in it. Like, oh yeah, my girlfriend used to be so hot. When I'm wearing her clothes, I'm kind of like her. <laughs> he does that thing that Buffalo Bill does, where he pulls his shirt out his nipples. <laughs> ah! They're just like both pierced for yeah, some exactly. I mean, it's so weird. And Mel, Meg Ryan, I keep saying Mel Gibson. <laughs> Meg Ryan, like, kind of steps into frame at one point, and he's looking through the mirror, and it's like out of focus, a long haired blonde. It's supposed to be Kelly Preston, and he's like, oh no, she's home. Turn around, and it's Meg Ryan just wearing one of her, like, 90s and whatnot, and she's just like, ah. What's going on in this bathroom? I had the best idea. I'll make a woman suit. <laughs> That'll show them. That'd be swell. It would be great if he just like he trades in the camera obscure for a sewing machine. <laughs> and she's just like, how is this supposed to help a spy on them? Don't worry. You'll see. Explore my disguise. <laughs> I'm going undercover as Linda. <laughs> I'm going to get under your, under their skin. <laughs> By the way, what is Buffalo Bill's end game? What, like, you're, you're making this woman suit. Are you expecting to go into a, into a, like, a regular bar and be like, Auga, look at that deformed monster. Hey there, gentlemen, see anything <laughs> you like? And th that is so funny that you said that because... Watching this last night, I had this same thought because I was you know, thinking about Silence of the Lambs because this movie's terrible. And I was like, yeah, what is Buffalo Bill doing? Also, is it just going to be like one lady suit or like a whole wardrobe? 
Is he trying to fill a walk-in closet? Like, <laughs> or is it just the one? And well, if it is just the one, it's going to get worn out eventually. Well, because you do see the shot of it at towards the end of that movie. Uh-huh. And I mean, like, if I were to touch that thing... I know it's not real skin. <laughs> right. You're it's, not like, oh, it's L. McPherson. <laughs> so, uh, that's right. It is L. McPherson. <laughs> oh, this is the texture of, like, John Madden's skin. I don't need this. <laughs> oh, man. Is she a great big sports announcer? <laughs> <laughs> so... To cap off the creepiness of this little break in here, this total vertigo moment, it's really unsettling. They put on their clothes and fuck each other in their bed. Yeah, they, they put on the clothes, like he puts on his clothes, like, I'll be Ed Todd for you if you be Linda for me. And they start making out and you realize like things are going where they're going to go, like they fall onto the bed and it's like a, it's fading to black and you just hear him say, Oh, well, that is just adorable, Griffin Dunn. <laughs> no way. Get ready. Lay back, Meg Ryan, for some quiet Matthew Broderick sex. Quiet, quiet. Quiet. There it is. I, I, I can't concentrate if you're looking at me. Don't be looking at me like that. <laughs> All the lights need to be on. Isn't that romantic? <laughs> no music, nothing. Just... Hold, hold, hold this light bulb near your face. <laughs> Just let me see. So she wakes, they wake up. It's like the next morning because they sleep over, by the way. They are so fucking comfortable. I mean, it's a good thing the other two didn't have car trouble and had to come home. Mm -hmm. And. This is really heinous for Matthew Broderick's character because he opens his eyes like, ah, oh, what a great night that was. He opens his eyes to Meg Ryan staring down, frowning at him like a real wish I could wipe that one from the books. <laughs> uh, I thought I had a lot of wine. Didn't have enough wine. Didn't have enough wine to get me where I'm going and then erase it right <laughs> after it happened. And she's like, all right, listen, uh, let's clean up because we've... <laughs> Threw a lot of the stuff all over the floor and made a huge mess of this place. And he's like, well, listen, I thought, you know, we should probably talk about what happened. And she's like, no, no, that is not going to happen because nothing happened. We're not talking about shit. And this is kind of her character trait. It's like at one point she was this wonderful doe-eyed woman. And then all of a sudden this guy came and ruined her. And now she she can't let anyone get close. And like they telegraph it so like. That's Matthew Broderick's epiphany that happens an hour and 37 minutes into this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they telegraph it so clearly for minute fucking one. You're like, come on, everybody. <laughs> well, the scene, she does the whole, she tells the whole story about how he'd been, he got with her to get his visa to America and the mm -hmm. whole thing or majigger. Which, okay, I'm sorry for you, this character, <laughs> but you know who's not just getting with Meg Ryan for a visa? <laughs> Everyone who could ever have a chance at getting with a 1997 Meg Ryan. Not believable whatsoever. If you're not American hero Dennis Quaid. <laughs> no, 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 there isn't. I can see like a hot Ukrainian woman 
getting with the dude who played Radar O'Reilly on MASH, <laughs> that's a green card situation. Absolutely. <laughs> Not this, like, hunky French dude and Meg Ryan. Like, Nope, not a thing. He's kind of like a French Harvey Keitel. <laughs> he, he is a French Harvey Keitel. It's a it's a Harvey Keitel uh, mixed with that dude, uh, the English actor David something or other from The Omen. He's the dude that gets decapitated. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. Uh, oh, David Warner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the guy. Anyway, that's what he looks like. <laughs> uh, so but the next part of this movie is what the movie with the writer, the director, you know, the story tries to make happen is to really vilify this Anton character. And you know how they decide to do it? By explaining to you, the audience, what a super American success story this dude is. This dude is like, yeah, what a real scumbag, everybody. He's, I mean, it's like, the, it's the French, like, Lothario stereotype of, like, oh, my God, they come over here and steal our women and, like, you know, like, that thing. <laughs> and, like, but he, he runs this really great restaurant. He, like, he's like, I came here, like, Matthew Broderick applies to be a dishwasher. Right. And he's like, oh, you're homeless. I let you come into my house. He's like, I let you come in. And he's like. I once had nothing, but I worked really hard and I got what I needed. Fuck you! <laughs> like, the, like the audience is going to be howling at the screen. He doesn't make love softly, <laughs> quietly. He fucks her like three times in this movie. And it's like, it's so pointedly that he's like much better at sex than Matthew Broderick is. <laughs> like they spend way too much time on this, making him... Into the perfect man, which also they do, and like they they say, Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan's even like, oh my god, that was some fucking premier sex. She and mentions that his penis is the size of Godzilla's tail. <laughs> by the way, she says the only way that Kelly Preston is leaving him is if a blast of semen catapults her. <laughs> Over to the other house. Yes, she would be shot across the street <laughs> and through presumably two different sets of windows. And I hate to break it for all of you at the edge of your seat, but they get together at the end, Meg Ryan and Matthew Broderick. <laughs> and, like, for that to not be a really bad relationship, he needs to like, take a class or read a book on, like, how to pleasure someone. Like, with all the force of a hiccup, here I come. <laughs> Well, I think what you're supposed to buy by the end of this movie is that, you know, he's left normal Ohio and he's been living in hardcore New York for so long that he's, you know, he's been really stepping up his game in the fuck department. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you know, he's living there. It's New York City. You gotta, you're living in Soho, the mean fucking streets. Manhattan represent. <laughs> like, it's just, I mean, he is supposed to be like, from this to this. Like, it's yeah. it's not that much of a bump up, but it's a little bit. From zero to point five. <laughs> now I just have it in my head that New York would have, like, a Brazil-type fuck department. <laughs> the NYFD. Uh, congratulations, you registered the fuck in the five boroughs. <laughs> Way to go, Broderick. <laughs> Here's your fuck card. It expires monthly, so remember to re-up if you know what I'm saying. Oh, go Yankees. <laughs> God. I hate fake New York movies, man. It's just the worst. So this dude's got this great restaurant. He, he hires Matthew Broderick as a dishwasher because Matthew Broderick, you know, is just like, I'm looking for work. Eh. And, and oh, yeah, I'm such a nice guy. I, I, I'll take a chance on you. And you're like, ha ha, take that Frenchie. <laughs> 
you fucking frog. And so he's, he's doing a good job and everything. And one night he's like mopping the floor. And the dude's like, by the way, I remember you. And he punches him in the face. And he's basically like, listen, you know, you punched me in the face for no reason. Like we bumped into each other. It's New York City. It happens all the time. I'm not going to fire you like I have the total power to. Yeah, exactly. Like, listen, I punched you. Now we're even. I respect you like we're on the same level. And I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, like you said, Steve, like he he mentions that he used to be homeless. And he's it's this great thing where he's he's giving this speech in the kitchen one night. And he's like, you know, listen, in France... I was just a dude, and he makes like a you know an analogy to Superman living on Krypton. When Superman's on Krypton, everybody's Superman, and he's not special. But he came to America, and he was different than everybody else, and he used that to advantage, aka the American dream, <laughs> the fucking melting pot of the world. And this movie's like, oh my god, isn't that just disgusting? Look at this villain piece of shit, frog pig. Frog pig. It's just like, oh. My God, this I mean, this movie could not be any more wrongheaded in its attempt to create a villain. Like, you know what? You want to do this? Make this dude like hit her a little bit. Maybe yep. not hit her, but push her around. Yep. Maybe he's openly womanizing, like flirting with people. That, that's what you need. And like they do they like they don't do that, but they like really lightly insinuate like he's kind of flirtatious with one of his owners that uh, is always like by his side. Uh, but like that's what we need is we need like women every night he's yep. like he's got i gotta stay late and like we gotta get the new menu ready or whatever the fuck right and he's just got women coming in and out but instead of that really his biggest thing is that he pleasured his woman better than he did yep it's a big problem huge, huge problem, problem. <laughs> can we get to the monkey scene really quick because it's actually kind of important <laughs> it is important Sorry you spit that coffee all over your desk, everybody, but there's a monkey scene, because it's the 90s, and there's got to be a monkey. I think it's always the same outbreak with a capuchin monkey. Yeah. That guy had a lot of credits. I think because they're probably kind of on the cheaper side of monkeys. Like, you don't want a gorilla running around. (laughs) So, you know, the first step in this whole process is we're going to plant some panties and some receipts throughout the apartment. Next step is we have to find out a way to get lipstick all over his collar. So let's do it in the most roundabout, ridiculous, impossible way you could ever think of, which is they go to Washington Square Park, and there's a there's a dude on the street, like a street performer dude with a monkey, played by a uh, House of Cards actor Larry Pine. I've never seen a monkey in New York City. There's no, this isn't like fu- fucking 1920 with like Geppetto and his friend, the little monkey. Mm-hmm. Oh, my little monkey's going to dance for you. Oh, watch him use the grinder. The <laughs> monkeys are going to dance. That doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And this guy's like, hey, man, I'll give you 50 bucks if you, we can rent out your monkey. And he's like, sure. Say, sure. I, I think the line is Matthew Broderick says, how much to put lipstick on the monkey? <laughs> And the guy's like, fella, you got yourself a deal. All right. You want to fuck my monkey? I ain't going <laughs> to stop it. Like, how long are you going to be? I just, I'll go to the coffee shop. I don't want to know nothing. I'll do that for 40. For 50, you get my room. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Priscilla. Red's tied. <laughs> it's the cost of having a monkey in New York City. Who knew? <laughs> I know I said the last time was the last time, but this is definitely the last time. The guy walks away with the everybody's talking at me. 
Pipping out my monkey for some change. Did you ever see uh, those series of videos that the Criterion Collection put out when they were doing that Robert Downey box set? And it's it's videos. Uh, it's on YouTube, I think, like Robert Downey Sr. With P.T. Anderson. And P.T. Yeah. Anderson. I don't remember which movie it is, but there's one of the movies where, like, it's just this chick who's, like, kind of stoned. And there's, like, a monkey running around this bedroom. And Robert Downey's telling this story about how this dude, like, that owned the monkey was like, so, uh... How's everything going with the monkey? <laughs> and like Robert Downey was like, "Oh, it's it's great. Like I just need the monkey to walk around. It's kind of like an avant-garde. I'm not going to explain it to you, kind of a thing. Yeah. But she's on acid, and the monkey's just walking around. He's like, "Okay, that's. I'm glad it's going good. Hey, uh, you want the monkey to fuck her? <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like. No, no, I don't need the monkey to fuck her. I feel like if you have a monkey that you're trying to rent out for all sorts of commercial purposes, that's definitely not off your radar. It's not, especially in the days of Craigslist now. You want the monkey to fuck her. Like, it's coming up. Now, the question, you as the monkey owner, I hope you're saying no to those. Oh, of course. I mean, come on. It's a poor little monkey. Well, I mean, you hope so. But there are those Craigslist and they wouldn't keep it coming if they weren't being satisfied beforehand. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. There would have just been the one monkey fucking ad and then they would have ceased to exist. (laughs) Because then it would just go back into, you know, the cellar or wherever (laughs) that these arrangements are made. I'd love there to be some guy in Craigslist that keeps going to the personal ads, that keeps going to M for M and is disappointed. (laughs) It's not. Man for monkey? I thought this was going to be man for monkey. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Would you say she was a big, great, fat monkey? <laughs> wait, wait, manatee? Really? You can fuck a manatee. You can't <laughs> fuck a monkey. Amy, good gorilla. <laughs> Oh, man, Buffalo Bill using Craigslist. He's a dude who loves Craigslist. That's the thing. That guy was only five years, like, you know, ten years too early on his woman's suit. He would have found somebody that would give that woman's suit a good home. Oh, yeah, totally. See cannibal cop in New York City. <laughs> uh, so addicted to love. So this monkey. just This monkey just, like, they, they, they put the monkey, lipstick on the monkey. The guy's walking through Washington Square Park. And the monkey jumps on his collar, like unprovoked. There's a, like a crowd of people cheering this monkey, well, like <laughs> as if John Bon Jovi was doing a fucking concert in the park. <laughs> These people are watching this monkey. I mean, now in Washington Square Park, for those of you who don't know, it's down on the NYU campus, and there's certain things you find there. Maybe some students playing some jazz, some skateboarders, a couple of Jamaican guys that'll sell you some ripoff weed. A couple. <laughs> But I mean, you're not getting a crowd of a thousand people like they pack into this thing for a dude with a monkey and he's wearing a top hat. (laughs) And like the second, if I'm just walking to the street, a monkey jumps on my shoulder. I am fucking throwing that thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And like everyone's laughing and Anton just takes this shit and strides like, oh, yes, this monkey. Oh, hello. He's oh. waving like, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I love this country. Talk to you later. <laughs> and this is the heyday of Richard Preston. There's fucking diseases everywhere. <laughs> I am fucking killing the monkey. Amazing Richard Preston <laughs> reference. Holy smokes. And like, honestly, this happens again later in the movie. Like, uh, I think Kelly Preston, fi- like, so he goes back and he's got lipstick all over his collar. And she's like, 
Anton, what are you doing? I'm a character in this movie. And he's like, oh, my God, Kelly Preston, I was totally molested by a monkey. <laughs> by the way, that's a really shitty French accent. It's monkey lips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, were you fucking a child? <laughs> did you did you paint up some kindergartner? <laughs> What is this? Uh, Anton, I really want to believe that it was a monkey, but uh, let me introduce you to Detectives Benson and Stabler. Uh, Detective Tutwell is here for no good reason. <laughs> Damn, this is a nice place, Anton. Don't you like fucking monkeys or fucking children? Either way, you're coming with us. You is sick. <laughs> I fucking love Ice T. <laughs> There's great. nothing better than that episode when fucking uh, Dan Florex hugging that orangutan. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You go Google Dan Google image Dan Florex Florex and orangutan. You're having a good time. That is the spinoff that Dick Wolf never got. <laughs> Kragen and the Apes. <laughs> Kragen and the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> You maniacs, you blew it all up. <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> He's always telling everybody to go to sleep in that show. Well, because as one of, you know, the captain of a police precinct, especially sex crimes, everybody's working around the clock to catch these people, and you got to have sleep or you're not going to catch them. There's a lot of, like, big cool out. <laughs> you need to go sit down and take a break, Elliot. <laughs> Olivia. I want 40 winks. All right. <laughs> We're going to crack this case, but not at the expense of your beauty sleep. Munch, wake up. Nap time's <laughs> over. Benson, you're on the couch. So what's going on in this movie? <laughs> so the monkey thing happens, and she's like, well, that's almost ridiculous enough. So, I, I mean, you can't just make that up. Like, you answered very quickly, well, it was a monkey. You're like, all right, fine. I'll believe you. It's a monkey. Next step in the process, they pay off a bunch of kids to fill their squirt guns with perfume, and then they attack him and cover this dude with perfume. With everything else that was going on in this movie, like collecting cockroaches and everything, I really thought it was urine. Because she just has this, like, eyedropper with yellow liquid. I'm like, is that piss? Because that's sick shit giving a kid's... Piss. Anton, you came home smelling like urine. Are you having an affair with a homeless woman? <laughs> and so again, he's got to go home and be like, these kids attacked me. They molested me with their squirt guns full of, full of, full of whatever it is. No, I do not like the golden shower. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, again, like he gets sprayed with these water guns on his way home through Washington Square Park again. And like, he's like, oh, you rascalian kids. Like, if you want to make a villain, you're like, God damn it, you fucking kids. And like, yeah. He's trying to like, hit him, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. you got to grab one of these kids by the shirt collar and ask where they got the perfume from. But uh, the other thing is, listen, I'm walking through the park. I get attacked by a monkey. I'm taking the route around. <laughs> yep. The park isn't that much of cutting your time off, okay? <laughs> so the big element, this is how they really get Anton, is, uh, you know, Matthew Broderick's just creepily working at his job. Like, I'm really close to you, Anton. There, He's like... Anton's walking down a dark hallway and like Matthew Broderick's like almost touching the back of his hair. <laughs> I work so close to you that sometimes I can smell Linda on you. <laughs> you like these new night vision goggles? You should. <laughs> I bought them on your credit card. <laughs> Do you know how you would make a well in your basement? <laughs> I do. Because I need to know. Say I wanted to make a well 
in my living room. <laughs> so then, yeah, the next step is Anton's like, holy shit. The big New York City food critic that works at the big New York City a newspaper. A big New York paper. Yeah. <laughs> this dude's coming to eat at the restaurant. And and here, I mean, this is, again, this wrongheadedness of this screenplay. This dude, this, like, work-hard immigrant guy is like, oh, my God, like, this is it. This is what's going to make me take off. Like, he's pretty successful, but this dude giving a good review, like, this is it. And he goes back into the kitchen, and he's like, listen, everyone just has to be on their game tonight. That asshole's out there. Like, and he even says, like, this guy is an asshole, but we need him for the good of the restaurant. And this is where you see this full kitchen staff. And this is where, when you think about it, you can really start to weigh just how shitty it is what Matthew Broderick and Meg Ryan do because there's like 20 people working in this kitchen, not cl- including the wait staff, not the bartenders. Like, there's a ton of people in this restaurant family. And everybody, when was the last time that everybody in the fucking place loves the boss? Exactly, 100%. Like, everyone's like, yeah, finally, we're going to do it for him. It's the boss. Like, what he's giving his Superman speech? They're cheering him on. They're laughing. They are loving this guy. And then Meg Ryan jumps up on the window where Matthew Broderick's washing the dishes and hands him a paper bag and she's like oh my god i didn't know you were up for this now you're getting as crazy as i am (laughs) and he's like yeah it's time i escalated (laughs) and he's got a bag of these cockroaches and he just lets them loose in the restaurant and the dude eventually sees them one's on his fork a woman starts screaming it's chaos in the restaurant and then the next thing you know This dude is just out of a job. The restaurant's closed by the health department. And this whole group of people are out of jobs, fucking on the street looking for work, finding a way to pay their rent. And he's like, eh, take that, Anton. That'll teach you to have sex with my girlfriend better than I do. (laughs) And Anton is now drowning in debt. (laughs) Because then, yeah, he's the way they justify the whole credit card thing is Meg Ryan has a throwaway line of, He'll never know that we're using this credit card because he doesn't use it. He only uses his platinum card. So the the bill comes and he's like, oh, my God. Yeah. But, well, all right, I'll try to pay this. Oh, I have no money in my checking account either because she's also been withdrawing money out of ATMs throughout this entire she movie. She's just systematically ruining this guy's life for really no, like you want to look somebody cheats on you. You want to fuck him up, you know. Either, like, fight them physically or, like, ruin their next relationship, I guess, if you're a real lunatic. Don't go through their career, their finances. Salting the earth. I killed his mother last month. That'll teach him for cheating on me. <laughs> this guy's Kaiser Soze. He's taking out all of them. <laughs> their kids. People who owed them money. Everything. You're, you're going to be the last one. You're going to watch it all happen. And then I'm going to do you, too. And like that. I'm God. And like the next scene is this fucking like it's a beautiful scene. It's fucking he comes home and he's like, I'm ruined. I've been through all of this shit. I like I can't I can't support you anymore. You're you're a teacher. You don't have that much money. And like he's so like genuinely worried about the future and what this woman's gonna think of him. And she says, It doesn't matter. I'm in love with you. And they get engaged, and the fucking scene is played as if you were getting stabbed in the heart. <laughs> it is. And they're both like, oh, they both have that, like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> like, they're freaking out about this. And it's like, at this point, if you can't put it together, you guys, like, just let them be happy. 
you guys already had sex one time and it worked out okay. You know, Meg Ryan, you could probably teach him a thing or two about a thing or 12, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. But it's just like, no, now we really have to escalate. But first, we're going to take a break and detour, and Maureen Stapleton's going to visit the movie. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Maureen Stapleton. Look, look, look a big applause. <laughs> and I mean, I love Maureen Stapleton. We were talking about how great she is in Don, Johnny Dangerously, also with Griffin Dunn acting <laughs> he's I, a good actor yeah, so she comes in and she's like hi i'm meg ryan's grandmother and they go out to di- to a diner and kind of hang out and she's kind of like you know one of those cool grandmas that swears and says tit and you know <laughs> the great thing about this scene is like she's like oh let me take a picture of both of you and she's like, give him a kiss on the cheek you could do better than that you could do better than that and they start like making out in front of this old lady <laughs> She's just taking their picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's just reloading the camera. Keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> Don't stop on my account. I'll be right back. Oh, I didn't know we were in reform school. Touch her a little bit. <laughs> it's like that scene in Primal Fear. Go on, David. Help her. Help her. God. Oh, man. That just makes my skin Oh, go. yeah. Counselor. <laughs> so... What they the whole point of this is that Maureen Stapleton was at home before Meg Ryan and Matthew Broderick were, and she overheard on the the bug system what she thought was a radio because she's a cute old lady. She she heard this radio soap opera about these two people arguing, and he admitted to having an affair. And they're like, we got to get back and continue our mission of ruining their lives." And what I guess winds up happening is Anton. Just finally, I guess he did. He was sleeping around it with was, the, the manager. It was or, the woman that you saw him with the whole right. time. And he's like, it, was, it was only one time to keep my restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, it's like Les Miserables over there. Like, he's, just, <laughs> it's, he's one mistake away from the gallows, I guess. <laughs> and I, I mean, it, it's not explained what the timetable is. So it's possibly a thing where he was like, Listen, my restaurant got shut down. I thought I had seed money because he is he is very successful. He's like, I thought I had seed money to start another restaurant. But for some reason, I'm broke and I have all this credit card debt. So I had to essentially whore myself out to this woman in order to see if she would like kind of back this new restaurant deal. Like he is at wit's end. And and like this woman made him get a haircut by a boat or some shit. That's another Les Miserables. (laughs) Sleeps in a casket. <laughs> and yet another weird thing about how we don't know exactly what Kelly Preston's game is here. The father has to fly <laughs> from on. Ohio to New York to give give Anton another speech about how his daughter is breaking up with him. Like, I want the interview of this father. <laughs> like, I want this scene where he's like, I don't know what. I don't know where I went wrong with this girl. (laughs) Like he just walks into their parlor back in normal Ohio and he's like, mother, she asked me to go to the Big Apple to read another (laughs) one of those letters. Again. Well, you're not going to go, are you? Oh, mother, I have to. She's our only child. (laughs) But she's got to deal with her life at some point, right? Don't want her getting murdered by some of them New York City chuds I saw that documentary about. (laughs) Daddy, will you hit him for me? Daddy, will you hit him for me? And he punches him. And you know what? I'm like, you know what? Fucking fool me once, movie. You can do that one time where this old man is doing this dear John. But no, no, no. He does it twice. And it's hilarious. 
And then Meg Ryan really tries to kill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Because well, at this point, like Kelly Preston leaves, and it's it's that part in these movies where it's like, okay, character, you know, you you achieved your goal of getting your girl, but I guess me, you're either your tomboy friend or your friend at work or the girl that you've been stalking somebody with. I guess now our time is through, and she like you know kind of preemptively like kicks him out, and he's like, what are you doing? And I, then I mean, it's. There's so much bullshit. This is all right. Where we're at right now in this movie, if you were to pause the DVD, there's still 35 minutes left. Well, they haven't taken quite as many Law and Order tangents as we did. <laughs> so, I mean, long story short, Matthew Broderick then befriends Anton while he's on hard times. They hang out a bunch. They get drunk, and like the, he's hanging out at his place, and like he looks over at their, at, you know, his old place with Meg Ryan, and the window breaks. Like, she's having, like, a real Mrs. Havisham freakout. <laughs> she's going down in a blaze of glory in that wedding dress. She's going absolutely nuts, and he's watching it like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. And he's trying to, like, when Anton's not looking, like, signal to her, like, just stop it. Please just stop it. <laughs> oh, no, I've driven her crazy with lust for me. <laughs> she must be addicted to me. Uh, <laughs> my slow, quiet friend of sex. <laughs> she goes, so she's going nuts. And, like, he winds up, like, crashing on Anton's couch. And she breaks into his house again while everybody's asleep. And she puts strawberries all over Anton's face because he's fucking allergic. And like, and then she wakes up. Like, uh, Matthew Broderick and goes, slit your throat and walks away. You say anything and you're going to die. <laughs> you know what I'm capable of. And then so the next day, like this dude's like, holy shit, I've got this rash all over my face. Better button up and go to the doctor. Like, so. They have ruined him financially, professionally, romantically, romantically. And now he's starting to look like Ron Perlman in Beauty of the Beast. Like <laughs> He's just got all these jackets and hoods on and he's wandering the alley at night. Like, yeah, it's imagine you just st like stabbed somebody right in the stomach. And then you were just like, yeah, they're going to die. Well, here's some salt too. <laughs> Fuck it. And then, like, he's about to go and interview for a new job as a chef. He's going to just be a sous chef. And, like, he's hum humble too. This motherfucker is humble. He's like, I, you know what? It, you got to start from the bottom again. That's just how it goes, man. And, you know, I can do it here. I can do it here in America. I did it once. I can do it again. And here's this skin rash. <laughs> Dahmer didn't deserve it this bad. You know what I mean? Like, Dahmer. <laughs> Maybe you want to do this to Jeffrey fucking Dahmer. Maybe the dude had a family sized pack of dicks and heads in a refrigerator. And honestly, this is a bit much for Jeff Dahmer. Okay. <laughs> in the punishment department. <laughs> I mean, this is outrageous. And then, by the way, to top it all off, Matthew Broderick thinks that Meg Ryan on her motorcycle is about to run this dude down and he pushes him down a basement stair thing like the storm doors are open. He pushes him down this thing and breaks both his arms and all of his ribs. He Robert Altman's the players him. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, you no name screenwriter. <laughs> and. The dude, the next scene is, of course, he's in a hilarious body cast, and Matthew Broderick takes him back. And then, like, they have another blowout, him and Meg Ryan, like, why did you do that? Blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I didn't have anything to do with that. You, you thought I'm capable of that? And he's like, what is it going to take? And 
There's pictures involved. Oh, uh, before this, he finally realizes, oh, my God, I'm in love with her. Because, again, it's the same thing with, like, it is the thing with my tomboy friend where he's, like, describing the woman of his dreams. and But that's not Kelly Preston. That's Meg Bryan. <laughs> and Anton, again, greatest guy in the world, is saying, like, all these wonderful, beautiful things about what he feels, what he felt for Meg Ryan and how regretful he is and all this shit. And he's just like... Oh uh, yeah, but um, uh, I like short hair, <laughs> and I like good. Ma- I like punkish makeup. <gasps> I love Meg Ryan. <laughs> oh my goodness! And like you know, the end of this movie is so like you know they get to this big hilarious fight where Matthew Broderick. I mean, because this guy's a tough dude. Matthew Broderick can't even beat this guy up in a full body cast. The guy has two broken arms and no ribs that are in one piece, and he beats the piss out of him. Which is kind of satisfying to watch, especially after all this crap. This despicable character that you've been sidled with the entire movie because he's unfortunately the main character, and he's just getting his ass walloped, and you're like, oh man, oh, oh, you know what? I gotta watch this a second time. Rewind. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's this and Maureen Stapleton. Those are the only bright lights in this whole damn thing. (laughs) And, like, he's choking his lights out because he finds out that he's responsible for all this stuff. He's, like, Meg Ryan's agent of chaos. And, like, (laughs) he's choking him, and he's like, but I'm too good a person. I will not take your life, even though I'm totally justified in doing so. And he, like, lets him go, and he's like, I'm sorry, Meg Ryan. I'm sorry, Matthew Broderick. (laughs) I'm sorry, America. I apologize to anyone of French descent or no, or has been to well, France I said or has seen a Romaine Duras movie or anything. I apologize. I said it right before. It's like his whole thing is just an hour-long French waiter joke. <laughs> is his whole strand of this movie. Is That's what Griffin Dunn's trying to do. He is one Zutelo away <laughs> from fucking Pepe Le Pew. It's ridiculous. So, like, you know, he Matthew Broderick's like, I've got to tell Kelly Preston the truth. And you're like, Finally, now we're going to see the, like, this is where the movie began. It's their relationship. It's kind of their journey. Like, this is the scene we need to make this movie make any kind of sense. And that scene happens, and the camera and all the boom mics are outside (laughs) of the building, and we just look in on it and don't hear a goddamn thing. It's Chauncey Elfman's time to shine. (laughs) this, This shitty score is just playing. And then the camera just like climbs up the building and then just tilts up to the night sky. And all you see is like, he says something you can't hear him. She gets upset and shoves him. And then we're like, all right, what's going on in heaven. And that's, <laughs> and but, that's it. And she, she, by the way, that's Kelly Preston. That's a wrap on <laughs> Kelly Preston, everybody. Oh, wow. That's a great job. You did nothing in this movie. It's not your fault, but you did nothing in this movie. Because, like, they don't even let her, like, do that thing. You know, like, um, and it's kind of a, it's a hilarious thing in the 90s when a woman punches a man right out. I'd love to see that. But she's doing, like, that, like, uh, uh, I'm trying to punch you, but I'm so, like, a fat that I can't even, like, make a bald fist. Like, yeah, you, you can punch that guy in the face, the dick, anyway. Yeah, how about a sick nut shot, everybody? Mm-hmm. And this is within a year of fucking Jerry Maguire where she actually punches his lights out. So she can do that. <laughs> She's capable of doing it, man. But that's it. She's out of the movie. And then he just goes. There's a scene where Meg Ryan comes into the apartment, like, while this is happening, comes back into Anton's apartment and is like, uh, it was strawberries under your pillow. You're a moron. How you doing? And, like, 
that's it. That is their reconciliation of some kind. And then Matthew Broderick's like, oh, I better continue that life that I had where I was kind of a, you know, I had a r- real specified job and like I kind of, you know, went to all sorts of school to get it. Better go back there and do it. And he gets on a plane back to normal OH, you know, and he's on the plane and there's an episode of Lassie playing, which whatever movie fine lassie's playing i'm not even gonna fucking bother <laughs> lassie's on great uh then he sees it and we see he's watching and it's affecting him somehow we go back to the soho loft and there's you know meg ryan and she's packing up the gear finishing her buffalo bill assemblage that's on the wall like oh yeah she's been doing this collage and i don't know what for again again what was buffalo bill's end game what is her end game with this thing it's just this big wall and it's like a joker face <laughs> with a bunch of different like typeset magazine clippings all over the place why isn't she like and we discussed this right before too we need more character. Like we need more sideline characters. In this. Oh yeah, so like some prop ups, really. And like, what if she was like an artist for a local? Like she has a show coming up. Well, she, and yep. she wanted to go somewhere weird to do like her her collage work. That's that's what this needs. And like, she has like a sassy gallery owner friend or some shit yeah. like that. And seriously, where are your Judy Greers? Where's your Michael Rappaports? Like these lower level character actors to kind of populate your New York based movie. Like, let's figure it out. There's a million. <laughs> Starving actors in this town. You couldn't put up a flyer saying, hey, you want to be in the new Meg Ryan and Matthew Broderick Stalker movie? Channing as, like, the elder, like, wiser friend to Meg Ryan. Oh, man. Adam Goldberg as, like, a barista. Like, these are things you could do. And Bronson Pinchot as the snooty gallery dealer. Oh, like, of course. Why are we helping you out with this, <laughs> Griffin Dunn? Like, what are we doing? Ah, oh, god damn it. So then he comes back and he's like, oh, hey, I got off the plane because Lassie was on. And uh, it was this hilariously. Apparently, it was an episode where Lassie was accused of murdering somebody, (laughs) which if that's a real thing, I really want to see that episode. Uh, But he's like, it's this whole thing. He's like, oh, everyone got mad at Lassie. But then the little boy, which how big of a Lassie fan are you, Matthew Broderick, that you don't know his name is Timmy? The little boy is trying to send her away. And to do that, he makes her feel like he doesn't love her. But he really does. He says, I hate you, Lassie. Now scram. And Lassie's upset. But then Lassie realizes what he was really doing. (laughs) And then Lassie comes back to the little boy. You get it? I'm Lassie. (laughs) And then it's ridiculous, though, because then Meg Ryan has some line where she's like, so, uh... Did Lassie get it on with the little yeah, boy? No, like, what the fuck? Yeah, she's like turning on sexy face. Like, yeah, what did, what did Lassie and Timmy do then? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh really? And well, like, he's like, first Lassie left all the lights on, <laughs> and they made sex with us with the force of a spring breeze. Timmy made sure the radio was turned all the way down, <laughs> blew the candles all the way out all across the apartment. <laughs> Got right under the covers. <laughs> Better wear three condoms. Never know. <laughs> so, I mean, and then the end of it is they're just making out, and we have this ridiculous, like, we're shooting through the camera obscura and bouncing off all the mirrors so then we can get shot out across the street, and the two of them are making out on the side of the building, and they both reach up. And pull down a fictitious curtain because it's just a transition to pull down the end title card. 
Ugh. Geesh. I mean, and that that's the last... We didn't mention this at all, but there are three different Iris outs in this movie yep. and one big old-fashioned George Lucas Star Wars wipe just for good measure. This, uh, you know, we didn't mention it really, but this is a very poorly edited movie. Like, oh, there's yeah. a couple of cuts before sentences are finished. A lot of, like, you know that? Like, there's the scene where Matthew Broderick goes to first go into the building to ring the doorbell. He gets in by this woman's uh, trying to back out with a baby carriage and he holds the door open for her and this woman clearly turns and is starting to say something to him <laughs> and it just smash cuts into him walking up the stairs. It's pointless to complain about the technical flaws of this movie because this is just one of the most insane screenplays we've well, dealt with on this show. It's also just like framed like, and I kind of got the feeling that Griffin Dunn like he must must have seen like some Vincent Cassell movie or something, and he was just like, "I can make a a French romantic comedy in America. Yeah, I could do it. Like a little creepier one, like get deals with like more like weird sexuality. I can do that. Except for in those movies, they'll make the point of showing how creepy that is, and like they'll be like, "This is a little weird, but it's gonna work anyway." Whereas this, it's just whenever they're doing something psychotic. <laughs> They put on like a bubbly French like pop song, and apparently it's just okay. But the thing is, it's and you want to get into whether would I recommend this movie? I wouldn't. And it, yeah, trying to start with start your directing career with a black comedy is like I never really took up a language. Let me try Chinese. Like it's just <laughs> the yeah. hardest one in the book to yeah, try. You're it's, right. You're to, absolutely right. To get right. that tone right, like black comedy to me is such a specific thing, and like very very few people could do it really well. And Griffin Dunn ain't it. And this movie is just tone deaf left and right. I mean, to a degree, you know, and I'm not recommending this movie, but to go off on that, like, if you want this to be that successful black comedy, the characters that are doing the crazy shit have to be like, oh, man, this is fucked up. Yeah. But we're doing it. We're doing it. We're acknowledging that it's you know, a little off kilter. These people have no problem with this. Mm. And it just makes these characters so daft. That they're just not, they're not characters. They're just two little crazy vessels. What yeah. about you? You going to recommend this? I mean, I've seen this movie a lot. I had it, uh, <laughs> I had it on VHS when I was a kid. Um, and I remember, I remember liking it because I liked Meg Ryan at the time. Uh, but like, no, now, now me seeing this again, uh, it's really like, and it's also just like, you want to talk about bad casting decisions. <laughs> Other than, I, I would say like, Chucky Cario is pretty good in this. He's, He's the probably best the best part, part of this of movie. He is. Um, him and Maureen Stapleton. God, yeah. Oh, God. The best. God rest her soul. But, like, okay, this character, this Sam character is a sick ticket. And if he, if he's going to be that kind of sick ticket, it can't be aw shucks Matthew Broderick. Nope. No way. And the same thing with Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan is, like, at the time, she's just, like, a, a bouncy, like, really, like, nice girl. Like, you, you want to like her. But she's playing this horrific person and you just and they don't do anything to help you into that state. There's no point where she's like, man, I feel bad about this. Like, again, like, I know this is messed up. I feel bad about it. But, you know, I have to do it because I'm whatever. I've been driven to this. Nope. She's There's like, hey, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Meg Ryan. Thanks anyway.
Yeah, that's terrifying shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, they're just watching people and ruining people's lives in that movie. And Chucky Cario's the good guy, man. He's yep. so the good guy in that movie, that poor bastard. His life is torn asunder by these people. You know, and we're here we are in New York sweating ass, you yep. know, and yep. you know, you know. Oh, let me check. <laughs> yep. <laughs> What are you doing this August? Talk out loud. I'm sweating ass, man. Sweating ass, ruining pair after pair of. I want to have a conversation with the audience. What are you guys doing this summer? Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, all right. Oh, that sounds dangerous. I'm sorry about your dad. How do you even put that on? So as, you know, we will keep tradition here now that we're not, you know, teasing episodes and whatnot. We are just flat out telling you what the next episode is. The next episode of Summer Rerun mm, will be Dracula 2000. Oh. <laughs> so until next week with the Summer Rerun of Dracula 2000, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Seda. Eric Sisko. Take it easy.